And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba in the Bloom, episode 94, coming at you live on a Tuesday afternoon, day after Christmas, to talk about some targets and fades, kind of like the naughty and nice list, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, uh, in terms of uh, early NFPC draft champions ADP. We'll go position by position there, give us give each one of our guys, there'll probably be many more, just kind of one thing to focus on, and get you ready for the 2024 baseball season. You can find me on Twitter at BDentric. The podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod and my co-host, as always, on Twitter at Ryan BHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how are we doing, my friend? Matinee version, holiday Thank matinee, you. belated Merry Christmas. Hope you uh, hope you had a good one. It sounded like you did. Yeah. Um, this is uh, this is new to us. This is this is during the day, and for for coworkers of mine, this is the lunch hour. I'm this at lunch. lunch yes, I'm at lunch. Um, but uh, no, I'm doing good. We we had a good we had a good Christmas. Kids were happy. I put this out on Twitter the other night. We, I uh, got everything done, all the presents wrapped, and then my wife brings out this giant easel pad to assemble. Last, last thing Christmas Eve, had to do that. Went together okay, but, uh, but yeah, had a great Christmas. It was, uh, it was a good time. Yeah, I love it. I saw when you um, posted that pic. Uh, God. It was right before I was, I was like going to bed, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I put one of those together. My daughter got one either last Christmas or for her birthday or something. And it looks simple and it's not as hard as we're probably making it out to be, but it's more like a pick your spot and hope it all bounces in the end situation. <laughs> and then you realize like one leg doesn't. So now you start to adjust things, but now you have these trays in the middle that you have to keep like, it's just a, it's really more complicated than it should be. Let's put it that way. And it was just, especially you late at night, probably just wanted to like go to bed or have another quick cocktail or something. I don't know. It's not another, another Deschutes IPA. Exactly. I'm like, uh, there's, there's, it's we not also, the hardest uh, thing, but not the best thing. We live in a hundred ten year old house, and so nothing is level in our house, including floors, oh. walls. So, so there was that aspect. Not only does the easel have to be balanced, but it's got to be balanced Find on a our spot. Find a spot imbalanced to balance floor. Kids liked it though. That's all that matters, right? Exactly. That is all that matters. We got a couple people in the chat here. Richard saying perfect timing. Happy holiday, guys. Pleasure. Happy holidays to you as well, Richard. And then Joel Henrad as well. Happy holiday, gents. Two good listeners right here. Appreciate you guys. Hope you guys Absolutely. had a good one as well. Uh, we'll get right to it though, because this should be a fun episode. We have, you know, at least looks like 20, 30, 25, 30 players to talk about here, which will be fun. Go position by position, a fade and a target based on ADP. And we'll clarify that way too many times, of course, on the show. And um, and, and we'll do most uh, other things. Alan just jumped in the chat. Homeassemblingbarbecue.gif. <laughs> That's pretty good stuff there. Alan yeah. just doing his thing. Um, yeah, a lot of fun stuff there. So, yeah, if you guys are in the chat, a little midday action, jump in and join us. We're going to talk some players here, Ryan. So let's just cut to the chase, start with the best position in fantasy baseball, the catcher position, and um, who is one of your targets at the catcher's position? Why do we always start with catcher? Not not just us. Why is catcher always the first position? It just I mean, you sense. just answered it. You said it's the best one. But... Yeah. Yeah, I'll sugarcoat it. Um, all right. So we're going to do, yeah, target fade at each one for catcher. And so I'm going to kind of throughout – the show like i'll, I'll kind of give my well definitely give my reasoning but a lot of some of these is not just the player itself it's more like where they're going in drafts and what that position looks like in terms of like tiers and drop-offs and that sort of thing um joel says behind me uh love the photo behind you looking forward to the hour yes that photo behind me 
is the Masters 2023. Joel went what one day before or after me this year in Augusta. I think you were there one day before. Um, catchers, what nice. catchers? I, 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 I blocked out again. Um, my target's going to be Wilson. Contreras, the better Contreras. Nope. The two. Nope. Do not do this again, Ryan. He's very good, but he's not the better. I'm just going to cut you, you off you real catch, quick on that. Did you catch Williams? Con- his birthday was Christmas Eve. Was yes. Yes. Him. I wished him a happy birthday. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Wilson Contreras, I think, is so he is roughly the 11th catcher off the board right now. And I think there's not much of a difference between like the 11th, 12th catcher and like third or fourth. And ADP wise, Contreras is going much later. I think like just in terms of the catcher position in general right now, at least what we're seeing so far in ADP is I think you can wait until, um, I mean, what is his ADP? One, 149, 150. I think you can wait that long and get a really good catcher. And Wilson Contreras is is waiting there. I don't think there's that much of a difference between him and say uh, Will Smith, who's going many rounds before. So um, it's more just where Wilson's going in the draft. I also think, and we'll talk about this with my fade. You don't want to wait too much longer than this. So I just think Wilson Contreras is a pretty good sweet spot. Uh, 20 home runs each of the last three seasons hit 264 last year, even still a few bags, five, four and six steals in the last three seasons. So um, not the complete package, but if you're going to wait a little bit on catcher, still get a really good one. I think Wilson Contreras is your man right now. And the other plus I would give you on Contreras, because I am much more on him this year than I was last year. Uh, I, you know, I always last year, first year in St. Louis, I kind of like letting that thing kind of breathe for a bit. <laughs> um, he had a lot of injuries last year, like Nick and knack injuries that kind of messed with things. But what I love, and they're, they're I think they're going to be much more inclined to it. Matt Thompson tweeted it out also big Cardinals guy prospect live, but it's kind of what I even wrote about in the black book and everything is they're going to want to utilize Contreras about half the week at DH and half the week at catcher. So the at bat should come up for him as well as long as he stays healthy Two two reasons getting older. So they want to keep him in the lineup. That makes sense. Also, Yvonne Herrera is a very good catcher behind him, a young catcher, and he actually showed he has some some skills in the bigs last year in a small sample, so he can obviously get some at-bats that way as well. So that brings Contreras' at-bats up, which we're talking about all the time, is, you know, the DH has helped benefit a lot of the catchers. It might benefit him even more in 2024, so I, I like that quite a bit as well. 30 games at DH last year for Wilson. So. I think that's a floor. I think we might get even more this year as they really want, as he's getting older, to keep him on the field. I think that's a, a fun one to look at. Um, for me, it's Bo Naylor. So, yeah, yep. there we go. Pretty simple. I had to throw it out there. But to me, it's the value, or not like the price tag we were talking about. He's the 12th catcher off the board at an ADP of 168. Logan O'Hoppy right next to him, like him as well. But with Naylor, I've talked about it time and time again. The, the skill sets, especially improvements, in the second half last season when he started to play really consistently. Big fan of what we saw there between uh, the AAA and the, and the bigs, 24 bombs, seven steals last year, hit around 245, 250. I think the power speed's legit. Um, projection sites aren't you know agreeing with that, but that's fine to each their own. They also only haven't projected to play 91 games on Steamer, where I think he plays closer to the 130 to 140 range based on DH and just playing every day. So you can up some numbers there. And to me, this is what you always wanted Dalton Varsha to be. You want him to be a, 
a 20 to 25 home run guy. You wanted the 10 to 15 steals, Varshall maybe more steals, but you're getting that that wheelhouse there with about a 245, 250 average. I mean, a Guardians team that's going to be productive. You got Jimenez, you got Quan, you got J-Ram. There are some talented players there, at least at the top of the order. Uh, his brother, there, there are definitely uh, stuff there. So I, I've said it before, I think Bo Naylor is going to get quite a jump this year. And I think getting him this 12th catcher off the board right now becomes a gift. And it goes back to Ryan's comment earlier. I love a lot of the top-end catchers. Obviously, one of my favorite guys is like the second or third catcher off the board right now. But the depth at catcher talent has gotten so good. Now, there is a cliff we've talked about. Don't fall off the cliff. But you can still wait and get a handful of guys. Like Jonah Heim, to me, his ADP is insane. Like, I don't get it. He got hurt last year, but before that, literally one of the best catchers in baseball offensively. There's a lot of late, talented catchers. Bo Naylor is my favorite one at this point in time based on ADP. And you took him in the 11th round of our Gladiator, two picks before me when I was going to take him. So appreciate that. No, no problem at all. Glad I could help. Um, my fade at catcher. So you mentioned the cliff. I think if you fall off the catcher cliff, the first guy you're going to land on is Tyler Stevenson. And so he's my fade and not really like, I mean, no, I don't really like Stevenson like as a, as a catcher one, it's, it's not so much him though. It's more just like, you do not want to wait. Stevenson's ADP uh, in December draft champions leagues is two thirty five. He's going right behind uh, Luis Camposano, Mitch Garver, the aforementioned Jonah Heim. I think if you wait and, and take Tyler Stevenson as your first or even second catcher in two catcher leagues, like I think you missed the cliff at catcher. Um, that that's not where you want to be. The guys going after him, Shea Langoliers, Ryan Jeffers, Alejandro Kirk, Jansen. Like there's just, I, I think like there's a major drop off right around Mitch Garver, who that ADP might go up signing with the Mariners, Camposano right around 200. But uh, you don't want to wait until after that. Like that's the cliff and you don't want to be caught with, uh, with Tyler Stevenson. No, no offense to him. Yeah, no, that cliff is your, if you need catcher twos, you can live with them type thing, but be, yeah. pre- be prepared to stream world. Like, you know, Jeffers, yeah, he, he had his moments last year, maybe he carries over. Kirk Jansen, who's over starting, I'm with you. It's like it's like t- Patrick Bailey, Jan Gomes. Uh, it's an interesting tier, but do you want to trust him every day? Probably not. So I'm with you. And Stevenson's a guy that I've had a tough time really either getting all in or all out on type thing because the skill set was so good going into last season that we liked. Kind of got his chance, didn't produce. Was it a one-year thing? Is he going to be back? Is he not? That's a fun question to be had. Um, for me, mine is Sean Murphy. And I just want to say it again. He is the eighth catcher off the board, ADP at 141. And was he really good at times last year? Yes. You know when those times were? When Travis Darinotto was on the IL. That's when he was really good because he played every day. And before Travis was on the IL, they split reps. When Travis came back, they split reps again, and Murphy's production just fell off the table. It was gone. Um, and that's a concern I think is not going to change this year. I think that's a really, really, really uh, real thing to think about. So for Murphy, could he still be good in fantasy? Possibly. To be the eighth catcher off the board, I will take a lot of guys after him with more confidence, at least in my world. Could I be wrong? Sure. But more confidence than a Sean Murphy. He's pretty much out for me. First half, Sean Murphy, 295, 14 homers. Second half, 197 homers. That's uh, It was brutal. It's crazy. Uh, before we move on to first base, a couple questions here about catchers. Joel Henred, uh, yes, we play the two catcher leagues, but are you uh, are you true thoughts on this type of leagues? It's rough. 
Yes, it's rough. Do you have any other thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, agreed. It's it's it's, 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 be- it's better now than it used to be, though. I'll say that much. Much better which, now. There is, and this kind of maybe leads to our next question. Uh, last year's streaming, the second catcher seemed to work. Do you think that's viable in 2024? I know your answer to this, Bubba, is you're already nodding your head. I think in Fab Leagues, Ellen, um, this is very viable, streaming your second catcher. And I think it's actually a good strategy to grab one catcher in Fab Leagues and then not punt your second catcher, but maybe wait a little bit and kind of stream that spot. Right now, we are more in like the draft and hold type of season where you're not able to make fab moves. That That's the majority of drafts right now. And that's where I'm prioritizing that second catcher, getting two in that like top 200, just because you cannot stream uh, easily off of your draft and hold roster. But yeah, for fab leagues during the season, I think that's a, we saw so many more, so many examples, Bubba, you could list yeah. them like your like your hand but uh yep. there's so many examples of, of where this has worked not just last year but the last two years for sure um eric leggett in the chat says any thoughts on gabriel moreno at adp i think it's a great price tag i still have bo naylor slightly ahead of him moreno's adp is uh 155 like naylor's 168 they're going right next to each other they're moreno's right be- between wilson Contreras and bo naylor <laughs> he's sandwiched between our our, yeah. our two boys so uh, my only concern is the power that um, Kyle Bland brought up in a very big way with their pitcher list uh, PLV tools on my show. I didn't realize how much of a straightaway center field guy he is, and that's a death trap in that ballpark. Uh, if he can make that switch, cool. But that's my thoughts on Moreno. Do you have any other thoughts on Gabriel Moreno? No, I mean, I, I, I'd prefer Wilson Contreras or Bo Naylor, but uh, yep. that again, that's a spot in the draft where where the, your options are starting to run out of, of good first catchers that you can get. So I like it. Mike Curlin joined us. Hello, gentlemen. And he, sa- he says, uh, I have played, a- played appearance concerns about Murphy, but I believe he played through injury in the second half, or at least part of it. It was There might have been an injury. He did have a hamstring injury. You are correct. I'm pretty sure it's hamstring or groin. But it was also a definite platoon situation that uh, wasn't played there for Mr. Murphy. All right, let's head to first base, Bloomfield. Who you got here? Ending up with this guy pretty much everywhere is a late first base pick, and that's uh, the ageless Justin Turner. Let's hope I say that for another year. Justin Turner will be – this will be age 39 season for Justin Turner. But, like, the spot where Turner's going in in ADP right now, he is 258 around, like, Ryan Mountcastle, Andrew Vaughn, uh, above, like, Ty France. And he's a batting average machine in terms of like the strikeout rate, the line drive rate. There are not many batting average. I don't want to say locks, but like there are not many batting average guys with some power going as late as Justin Turner is going in drafts right now. Yes, I think the reason why he's going so late is A, he is going to be 39. Um, I mean, again, I always make the, the Bubba joke. He's Justin Turner's like the one guy or one of the few who uh, are between us in age so you're older than than jt i'm younger um but that laid in drafts and and the other thing he doesn't have a team right now so like wherever wherever justin turner signs that this adp will go earlier in drafts there's just not that many batting average guys with power available that late in the draft so i'm i'm very willing to overlook those two what i think are pretty minor concerns and take justin turner as um, either a late, late first baseman or a corner or some, or a depth piece that late at 250. Yeah, I love the Turner call. I drafted him everywhere last year for the same reasons you're talking about. Goes late, doesn't have a job. I'm curious to see where he lands. Like last year's Boston was a perfect storm 
because he could DH first base, second base. Curious to where he'll go this go around, but uh, yeah, that's a fun one for sure. Uh, for me, it's Heimer Candelario, just for the fact that I've always loved the candy band to begin with, but it's still early in draft season. I'm not going to say it's not. His ADP uh, currently in the month of December is 221, 21st first baseman off the board. He has gone as high as 176. That's probably a more recent draft since signing with the Cincinnati Reds, so I'll be very honest about that. I still like that ADP. It's going around Vinny P and company. The Candyman had career years last year in the power department, 22 bombs, stole eight bags, he 250, uh, played 140 games uh, for the third time in his career. I think the skills are legit. I've always liked Candelario. He was a big-time prospect with the Cubs before getting traded to a couple of destinations. Now you get to play in Great American Small Park in that lineup. He's projected to hit maybe fourth, fifth, even sixth I would take in that lineup. Going to play basically every day with his switch hitting skills. I'm a huge fan of what the Candyman can bring if he does play regularly in that ballpark with that offense, a team that should be much better this year. He he should be going much higher. He, could, he should continue to go up boards is what I'm trying to say. Um, and one little shout-out, if you're playing underdog fantasy, Candelario is buried at first base. So go and look for mm-hmm. him as a, a later round option if you want. This is a little Christmas drafting I was doing. I yeah, started. Bubba, your, your 14 best balls yeah. yesterday on, on Christmas I start, paying off. Look yeah, at that I nugget. Start, I, started, I started throwing some candy man out there. Him and Thyro Estrada. Uh, Thyro doesn't even, have oh. an ADP, doesn't even have an ADP right now on underdog somehow. So go check those out. But I love the candy man this year. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good little nugget. That's a good little nugget. Did not know about Estrada for. Uh, underdog it's interesting they're both down they're both down there basically free so something to think about uh who who do you fade at first base my fade's gonna be spencer steer i think again at at the price i maybe this is more of like a gut call but i think spencer steer 2023 was just a perfect storm of, of mostly playing time 665 plate appearances like you mentioned with candelario um, the, the crowdedness, if that's a word, Cincinnati, I think that may eat into Spencer Steers, uh, playing time next year, as well as just, it just feels like he had a career year. I, I know it's weird saying that it was Spencer Steers rookie year. He's an old rookie. He'll be 26 this season, but I just don't see it repeating. The projections don't like Spencer Steer relative to like, he's going right after Christian Walker, Paul Goldschmidt. Now, the ADP is somewhat elevated because Steer is first, third, and outfield. So I get in draft and hold like that. That helps, but I think that's one potential pitfall, especially as we start to transition more to Fab leagues in like February, March, sort of thing. I don't think Spencer Steer is quite as valuable in those formats. Again, given given the price and some of your other options at first base. Yeah, I have a couple spear steer shares, but I, I'm feeling your thoughts as well at times. I've passed on him a bunch. Again, underdog, he's actually really high on underdog. So I pretty much pass immediately in that format. It's the playing time. That's my biggest concern. And part of me thinks it'll iron out because I think India gets traded, which will help with a piece of that puzzle. Um, yeah. They've already said things about a player we'll talk about in a little bit, potentially. Uh, L.A. De La Cruz, they said if he doesn't, they, they have no problem sending him back down to the minors. I have a feeling those sentiments are with even Noeli Marte. I think McLean has pretty much cemented himself. But and Steer's ability to play the outfield's nice as well. And you got CES. Like there's so many moving parts, like you mentioned. In the end, draft skills over role, as we've always said. But it kind of goes to your point. Are the skills legit? Was it a career year? What was it? There's a lot of question marks with Spencer Steer and have to pay a price tag like that with that many question marks. Very tricky to do. Draft and hold makes sense with the flexibility. The other parts 
very tricky for sure. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Joel Henrad mentions here in the draft and hold type of leagues. Do either of you look at age when drafting? I do not. Not really. Nope. Not really. Yep. I am not an ageist. Um, my fate at first base, and it's gonna be a fate I have pretty much every single year, and it's bit me in the butt once. Maybe it will again. That's Vladito, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I think he's a very skilled player. I'm not gonna deny that at all. But he's the fifth catcher off the board in the ADP of 36. Um, goes right b- behind Pete Alonso, but like Goldie, Christian Walker, like Casas, Torkelson. Yes, there are some differences in maybe batting average and whatnot, but the price you're paying, it's tricky. Also, something like a caveat that Ryan mentioned earlier. At that point in the draft where you're taking Vladito, I'm either going with the pitcher or I'm going with another stolen base source. There's things like that where it makes it very hard for me to draft Vlad at that ADP uh, with the uncertainty of what I think his actual production level is. So he'll be a fade for me once again. Somewhere Toby is somewhere Toby is smiling. Yep, somewhere he's Toby's smiling. He's probably in the uh, the Champions League forum smiling all about it. Smiling. Uh, Two, 264 Vlad hit last year. Like that's I'm gonna crush you before you draft him. Bad. You're drafting almost. You're, you're drafting. You want Freddie Freeman almost when you draft Vlad, and two sixty four ain't it? No, like two sixty four in a vacuum. I mean, yes, it's better than league average, but you're you're drafting Vlad for as a four category guy. Like, yeah, he had five steals, but like two sixty four, twenty six homers last year, and you can debate whether that was how much of that was deserved or how much more he could have had, kind of a deal. But uh, but man, that that's that's a rough year for for Vlad, and the price hasn't really fallen that much. To your point. 100% agree. Let's head over to second base. Who do you have here? I love your pick, by the way. Love it. Of course, man. This is like one of your – the running joke is I, I I think half of Major League Baseball is your boy. But this yeah. is this is one of your original yep. boys. Yep. Uh, it's Tyro time. Tyro Estrada. I just think where, where Estrada is going um, in drafts, like the 10th round, 150, something like that. It's uh, – or 140 going up a little bit. But uh, – I like him more than uh, your boy Zach Geloff, who's going right oh, before. Yep. But um, I just think Estrada like was dragged down a little bit by injury last year. It was it was a I think a hit by pitch in the hand. Yep, and so yep. pretty fluky. Like you look at the first half, second half splits for Estrada: nine homers, eighteen steals, two seventy two in the first half. Got hit in the hand, like never really recovered, but forecaster we put an upside of estrada at 20 home runs 30 stolen bases i could totally see that happening if we grant estrada an injury related pass for the second half which i definitely think given the context what we're doing here i think you can do yep i have no problem with that that would have been my choice on this one but i tried to where i could differentiate and i left arrow everyone knows that my love has not changed i appreciate like if he didn't get hurt obviously it's a big if he'd be going higher in drafts he would have finished with better numbers all these things so enjoy the dip. That's all I'm going to say. Like the dude is I, my projection, like my, my bold take last year, I think it was like 25, 35 or something close to what HQ is doing this year. I think that's a very, very realistic thing uh, with Thyron at, at worst. The power is always the question. The speed is there and it will be there. Um, Bob Melvin let the Padres run from what I can remember. Pretty sure Thyro will get to run wild too. Uh, hitting likely behind Lee. So maybe Lee gives him more RBI chances too. That could be big. Um, there, there's a lot of things that could come into play with having Leon base to maybe even help his average out. Maybe it opens holes that he could drive ground balls through and stuff. There are avenues for Estrada to be an even better player this year. So I'm a big fan of that. Uh, for me, it's Zach Geloff. He is one of my boys as well. And that's, I take pride in it because I said from day one, when it was him and Soderstrom, they got called up. 
I said, why is everybody excited about Soderstrom? I'll take Geloff at a discount. Worked out very well. I have a lot, a lot of dollar fab bids on Geloff that came through that week. And he, he was the Matt McClain of the American League that year. Uh, so he, he was very, very big. I think um, Geloff is a legit 2020 guy with maybe similar 25-30 type upside. The power is more legit with Geloff than Thyro. Thyro at more consistent speed. That's the two things I'll say. I think yeah. Thyro should on paper hit for a better average as well. Um, that, that's the two angles I go with. Runs might be very similar with these offenses. So, uh, again, Tyro should have more. But, again, I wouldn't be shocked if they're very similar. Um, and Geloff might hit more in the middle of the order than Thyro will. So, to me, they're very interchangeable. It's like, do you want more power? Do you want more speed? That's how I would look at them. Uh, I love Thyro, but Geloff will be one of my boys as well. Yeah. Um, I think the big thing with Geloff is, yeah, what do you think of the power? Yeah, I think that's the big question with Geloff, especially in that park. I, I, I hate the lineup around him. He will play all the time, and it was impressive what he did. So I, I, I still, I mean, do you in a vacuum? They're going right next to each other. You take Estrada or Geloff. I, I guess you can cop out and say, it, because it's a little different contributions, it could be team dependent. But no, I'll, 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 I'll be honest. I've taken more Geloff already this year, and I'm, I, I'm already regretting it, and I probably will switch that up as draft season continues to go on. But I have a lot of Geloff shares already. Um, partly because I want more power right now. That's my thing is I'm always good in steals. So I want the power. I'll, I'll probably, I hundred percent will probably start switching that up a bit. And again, if you're playing underdog, Geloff is ranked where he should be. Estrada is nowhere to be found. So something to keep in mind on that as well. The other interesting thing, just looking at second base as a whole, after Geloff Estrada, you've got Tommy Edmond. There is speed like kind of goes away at second yep. base. Um, you do have like Whit Merrifield going a little bit later, Bryce Terang, like late Ahmed Rosario, those types of guys. But like, there's a whole lot of Jorge Polanco, Brandon Lowe, uh, Jorge, or I just said Jorge Polanco, Gavin Lux, Brandon Drury, Ryan McMahon. Those are the second baseman going after Estrada Geloff. And so just, just keep in mind if you're, if you're a little bit, if you're, if you're needing speed, um, these are some of the last few guys, at least the second base, that you'll be able so to get. A lot that. of two, a lot of two to three category guys compared to the four to yep. five that you might get from Estrada up is where yep. it goes. Yep. Joel Henrad mentioned second base is ugly. Yes, it, it, it dries up quick. Very young position, though. I'm very intrigued. Uh, Eric Leggett says, Edward Julian, better real-life player than fantasy. I am so torn on him. I'll be 100% honest. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I see signs to, to life, but he might be – he might be more of a real life player to me. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Worry about the platoons too. Um, no. But but no, I, I can see Julian if you wait. Um, it's Joel Hennard as well. Not, I don't want to. I don't want to correct oh, you on sorry, it. Sorry, Hennard, sorry, Hennard. I apologize. Uh, that's that's me. Uh, I, I did admit over the holidays I need to probably get glasses, so I go. apologize right now. That is that's something on my list of things to do. All good. Um, All good. We have a fan of Thyro in the chat. TDK90 men says Thyro going to bounce back. So I, uh, you got that. And then Joel also mentions, besides doing the reading, this is my first look at ADP. You, yeah, it's rough. Very rough. Can be. Can be if you don't go pretty early at second base. All right. Who's our fade at second base? I, I, yeah. I, I did, I did kind of cop out and agreed on this one. We did. I, I wrote some positions down first before you. We try not to overlap too much, but uh, Haseon Kim is is our collective fade. It just it just seems like you're buying coming off a career year. Like HQ and the forecaster, Kim had 17 homers. Our expected home run metric based on Statcast is 11. 
Uh, so I don't see the power coming back. Like I, I Haseon Kim is not a 15 to 20 home run hitter. In my opinion, if you look at pretty much any power metric and then you're also banking on this like stolen base surge. If you know, I'm old enough to remember Kim only had 12 steals in 2022 over 582 plate appearances. Yes. The rules changed in 2023, but like, I just, I don't, I don't know. This the law of, of averages. Regression is our game's most powerful, powerful force. It's just, you're, you're buying in on someone who just had a career year. And I, I get that Kim is going to play every day he is second, third, short eligible, all that stuff. Um, it's, it's quite a price tag in like the sixth round, something like that in 15 teamers. And it's too much for me. Yeah, that's all it is. I think he's still a very good player. I think he could have a very good year. But to me, it's the whole, like, as you try to find pockets of value or, I guess, just differences in prices, paying an ADP of 84 for Kim, where you can pay 137 or 140 for Geloff or Estrada, I'll take my chances. Um, I'd even go 84 to 109 for Jimenez, that 25-pick difference, I'd, I'd take yeah. my chances type thing. And I'd take Labor Torres over Kim in a heartbeat, I'm, but I'm huge on Labor Torres. So it's just a combination of I think Kim's good, but I think there's you can wait a round or two type guys. And that's that's where it kind of at the point where you're taking Kim, go get a third outfielder, go get another pitcher, go get a relief pitcher, things like that. Um, that's where I might be more go get William Contreras, like stuff like that, if you want to take a catcher early compared to the, the other options. So. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, let's head to shortstop here where this gets uh, a little more fun, I think, because it kind of we, we both took some, uh, I guess, later darts, it looks like potentially. Yeah, and I tried to, like, I don't know, at least me, I didn't, I didn't want to all hone in on one certain spot in the draft. Um, Dansby Swanson for me is a target going, let's see, what the hell is this ADP? Right around like 150, isn't it? As yeah. I have second base up rookie switch it over uh 125 very much rookie 125 um i just think like especially in draft season this early you want playing time you want the you know, dansby swanson's in there every single day 653 played appearances two years ago 696 last year and then 638 in 2023 he's like just someone i think you can pretty much pencil in pen in 20 plus homers and like 10 steals uh, over a ton of plate appearances in a Cubs lineup. Yes. Bellinger probably isn't coming back in 2024, but like the Cubs lineup is pretty solid. And I just think like, I, I like this type of boring veteran guy that you can get this late in drafts and Swanson, like, I don't know. He's, he's not going to break out. I'm not going to do anything like that, but he's just going to be solid for you. And we've talked a lot about, the correlation between playing time, plate appearances, and final standings on hitter categories. And I think Stansby Swanson fits that like a glove. Yep. I don't deny that at all. I disagree with that at all. Once going much higher in drafts, had a little down season again, first year, new team. Like I'm willing to give little grains of salt to that. And that Cubs offense should still be pretty good. So uh, yeah. I think I think that's definitely one if you waited. Could be fun as well because your your fade coming up, which would have been my fade as well, going right next to him. Um, my guy here is a, a player I've been looking at in drafts a lot, and that's Trevor Story. Um, ADP of 183, going as high as 165. He's the 18th shortstop off the board. And I get a lot of the like arguments, well, you know, this, that, and the other. He was injured, came back early last year because he had that um, elbow surgery. He had the brace put in for instead of a real Tommy John. Hit 203, 10 homer, or three homers, 10 steals. 
Like, was it great? No. Did he strike out more than ever in his career? Yes. Could he have been pressing? Possibly. Like, there's a lot of questions that could be going on with Story, but at the same time, another full year removed from that, or at least an offseason removed from that injury. Is he really that far removed from being the, the really good player he was that went 16, 13, 24, 20? Um, you know, I don't know if he's the 35 plus home run guy anymore outside of Coors, but you know, the the, the monster in, in Boston ain't bad either. Projection seven for 21, 22 with a low bag average, which I think his average could be a little better potentially. We'll see. But the power speeds, what I love at that draft picks, I think that's legit. I think he could still be a 20, 25 stolen base guy with 20 home run potential to get him there. Maybe he's a, he's going after Thyro Estrada. Maybe they're very similar. Maybe that's why they're going where they're going. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking Story's a guy that needs to be going higher in drafts. 10 steals in what, 168? Played appearances like that's a yeah. really good sign for trevor story next year like just the running game i think is there he said 2025 i think i think story could go 30 35 stolen bases yeah. um, the, the, the power is the only thing i have questioned i guess but i think it with the i think it's still there personally i think he's, i think the power yeah i think he's, the power is fine. 31. he's not that old it's the batting average i worry about though for me it's well, the batting average which that's like that's fair but let's look back in his like Colorado's an inflated Babbitt place. Colorado's Colorado's the it. best park for, for yeah. batting average. I, I get that, but like you know, first year with the new contract in Boston, plus he got he was playing hurt most of that season, which came out after the fact. So his la his two seasons in Boston playing hurt and then coming back from injury. I'm hoping he's at least a 250-ish guy. I can live with that. So power HQ's speed though, projecting nice yeah, we're we're uh yeah. I mean HQ's projecting at least in the forecast or 245. So I'll take know, it. maybe I'm being a little too hard. Yep, uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to Joel's comment in the chat in a second because that's my guy. But uh, who is your fade at shortstop, Mister Bloomfield? Uh, my fade is someone who I don't know, <laughs> like should have a full time job again next year if he played like he did in his rookie season. That's Anthony Volpe. Yes, I understand. Volpe was in his age twenty two season, like acclimating to the shortstop in the Bronx. Like that's that's tough. That is tough. 283 OBP last year, man. In the second half, it was a 270 OBP. Like, there's a legitimate risk Anthony Volpe is, like, in the minors at some point in 2024 if uh, if that keeps up. So, yes, I get, the, uh, I get the power speed argument. Like, yes, he went 21 homers, 24 bags last year um at the price you're getting there i don't i want i want like zero playing time risk and uh anthony volpe even though he did have 601 plate appearances last year just think from a real baseball standpoint it's really hard to roster someone who's getting on base at a 280 clip so that's got to improve uh for me to get in on volpe yep uh that would have been my guy i am 100 out on anthony volpe got to prove me wrong and prove you wrong apparently on that one. So I'm definitely with you there. I just got Thyro going after him. You got Trevor story going after him. Even Tommy Edmond going after like their dudes. I think would outperform him pretty quickly. Um, for me, Joel mentioned this in the chat here. He said someone fade Jackson holiday in the top 280 P is ridiculous like him, but too soon. That is my fade. And for the exact reason you just mentioned, Joel, um, I think Jackson Holiday is a very talented player. I think people are reading into the fact that he could start the season with the Baltimore Orioles. He's still a rookie who's never done it before and may not start with the season with the Orioles. So a lot of questions to be made there. I am going to be out on drafting um, him quite a bit. I get it. Makes uh, makes total sense. 
I love uh, Rupert's comment here. Uh, Ryan's ventriloquism getting better. Can't see him moving his lips. Yeah, Ryan's video keeps uh, freezing, but the audio has been perfect. So I just we're, just we're having fun with. All this. right, yeah, my so like all of my <laughs> Chrome tabs have frozen, so I am like blind. I can't see myself. I don't the even know what great. I look like. So keep keep audio is great. Yep, you're doing. Good. I don't know how that's possible because my computer has totally froze. Well, you're doing good. We got halfway to go, so stay strong. Stay strong. It's got the little. I'm on a Mac, and it's got that little like color wheel. It's just spinning. oh, no good. That's no fun. No. That's almost the. That's almost the wheel of death. Um, yeah. Let's head to third base, though. Who is your target at third base? Uh, <laughs> Want me to help you? No, I got it. I got okay. it. The one tab that still works on my computer is my PDF copy of the Forecaster. So uh, you may have to remind me who I took. Um, if, Alex Bregman, uh, this is at Alex Bregman. 96. Yes, I did remember this one. Um, similar to the along the Dansby Swanson vein, this is just old and boring and played appearances. Like, no, it's not sexy, but what is is 724 played appearances for Bregman last year. Um, I believe it was Vlad Sedler who talked yep. about uh, after You're our back. third base show. I'm, I'm back. Yeah. Oh, it just froze again. Sorry, I jinxed no, I'm it. Not. Keep going. I'm still hosed. Um, it's the runs in RBI for Alex Bregman. 200 runs plus RBI. 201 runs plus RBI. Just someone in a great lineup, plays every single day. That uh, the, the the homer to barrel thing that we talked about at our first pitch Arizona episode, that's always never going to look good. But Bregman does his thing. The results are there in that park. Um, I just, and, and at, 30 years old, like I don't see that slowing down for another couple years. So just give me the every day. And I do think like, yes, you need to be lucky and avoid injury, but there is a, I'll say the Marcus Simeon factor there. It being able to be in the lineup every single day, I think is a skill. Not many people do that. Alex Bregman's one of the few. So um, reap those benefits. Like you're not going to get stolen bases, but their base is kind of sketchy. It steals anyway. Uh, get those runs RBI and uh, just pile up those counting stats. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on the Bregman thing. The uh, review show at third base has continued to open our eyes about you know his finishing position on the player radar. It's boring, but he just gets the job done. And just don't expect that career year he had a few years back with the bouncy ball and everything, but a very quality year based on ADP because most people are kind of giving up on him, like you mentioned. Ninth third baseman off the board used to be like a top three or four third baseman. Take the value, run with it, have some fun. Um, my third baseman is Manny Machado, and maybe I stole that from you. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. That's both. No, you we... did. You did because uh, I, figured, I was going to do it. Yeah, I saw you took him. Yeah, and I, I'm funny because I almost put Bregman to give you Machado. That's the funny part. Bregman would have been my other guy. So um, Machado, uh, ADP of 78 right now, seventh third baseman off the board. There's just so much to like about Machado, even in a down season. Technically, 30 bombs, 258 average, 91 RBIs. Played hurt most of the season. Did all that in 138 games after playing 150-plus pretty much every season before 2014. Uh, this dude's super, super talented. I love everything about um, what uh, Machado is doing uh, here. I think a healthy season coming back in that offense could be uh, to be really, really nice. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Machado be my guy. He's a target of mine in a lot of leagues because – Third base, like recent years, it's got some talent, but it gets real murky real quick the farther down the draft board you go. So give me some Manny Machado. 
Yeah, I think uh, if 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 Machado reports healthy to camp and that sort of thing, that that ADP is going to be. We pretty much every draft we've been going back and forth taking Machado in the fifth or sixth round. And the reason, like he said, if uh, Ryan said, if he reports healthy, is he had the surgery. He's supposed to be ready and rock to rock and roll spring training and start the season. You never know if a setback is there, but at worst, he misses a, misses a couple of weeks, and I'm I'm totally cool with this. Um, Eric. Leggett in the chat says, keep missing third base runs and have been drafting Suarez Chapman around pick 270. Any thoughts on either of them real quick? Um, so I just took Chapman in our gladiator in like the 20th round for that reason. Didn't feel that great about it just because like the batting average is so bad. Um, I, w- I would prefer Chapman over Suarez. I do think the, and this was another Homer to barrel guy we talked about on our first pitch episode, the barrels, the hard contact is still absolutely there. And I think their Blue Jay lineup is better than what we saw from them in 2023. So um, definitely would prefer Chapman over Suarez. And it's kind of like, I don't know, you don't, you don't hold your nose making that Chapman pick late in drafts, but just have, try and have somewhat of a batting average cushion if you do that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because we don't even know where Chapman's going yet. So that guess one of the big conundrums at yeah, the moment. True. But uh, and I, I love Suarez. It's a batting average dump, but the consistency is pretty awesome. Both very similar players. That's why they go next to each other quite a bit. Another How comment, my, how, yeah. How's my video? How are we looking? Am You're I still just, frozen. Um, uh, Rupert Henley in the chat. Are we buying Jake Berger? I am combo mealing Jake Berger. I'm, I'm super upsizing, whatever they call it at McDonald's. Jake Berger. I, I love Jake Berger this year. But yeah. Super size, me too. There you yep. go, super size. Yeah, I love Burger. We'll talk more about him. I've, I've talked about him on a, a lot of shows. Actually, he'll be on a coming up bench with Bubba as well. Baseball um, forecaster on Burger, real quick, Bubba. Not to give everything away from the forecaster. Upside of forty home runs, two sixty five batting average. So a very uh, optimistic box for Burger. And let's just mention Burger's ADP is one sixty three fifteenth third baseman off the board. I, I love that quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, who's your fate at third base? Royce Lewis, come on! Yep. I don't know his ADP because my fifty-one. It's all frozen, but fifty-one. I got you. Fifty-one. Like you, you, you can't take. I mean, you can. It's your team. You can't take someone that early who has like two hundred thirty-nine plate appearances last year, and it wasn't just like freak injury there's different types of injuries there is so I, the thyro estrada example so just if you're wondering like why why do i play the injury card with estrada but not lewis um ADP. estrada was hitting the hand like and lewis it's just it's just it's knee it's oblique it's hamstring it's those kind of soft tissue things that just come back um uh, this is just not someone i draft even in the top 100 to be honest with you uh, i think royce lewis is one of the bigger fades if not my biggest fade at any position, uh, fully aware that if he can piece together a full uh, season, like he can hit 300, hit 30 homers. But like, I need to see it first if he's going to go anywhere in the top 50. Yeah. Full healthy season. He's probably a top first half of the round of a first round. Like that's legit. How good he at least a first rounder for sure. But a lot of question marks. So I'm with you there. Mine is a similar vein going even higher than Royce Lewis. He's the third, third baseman off the board, but ADP at 21 as Ellie day La Cruz. Ooh, um, all right. Many people will hate me for this and that's fine. Been hated for many things in my life, but um, I don't just, hate you. But I'm being sarcastic. Um, there's still, you, you can't see my face to notice that. I can't, I mean, I can't uh, even see my own face. Honestly. Yeah, but, I texted uh, you the thing. Well, my good, screens are just yeah. black. 
Yeah, this, so. I'm just glad your audio is still working. This is beautiful. I don't, I don't know how. Maybe it's my employer shutting off my freaking stream yard. My, my yeah. work computer works. So. That's mm. funny. Um, but yeah, Ellie, for me, I just think there's a lot of holes in the game. That, and he showed improvements. I'm not going to deny that. Showed second half improvements in, in certain aspects of that. Still a lot of question marks. They've, they've joked about, you know, if he needs to do more work in AAA, I think it's a joke. Just kind of motivate him. We'll see. There's just I, – I, there's more – there's guys I'd rather take in that range. Let's put it that way. I'd rather take my chances with like a Austin Riley at the same position, um, another outfielder. Maybe I'd rather go Lou Bob than Ellie. I could be totally naive in that that sentiment, but there's just other things I'd rather do at that price point in the draft, the pick 21, uh, than Ellie De La Cruz. Yeah, I, I did see the uh, thing that put Twitter in a in a hustle was he may start in the minors. I doubt that would happen, but I doubt. I guess more motivation to speak, but yeah. yeah. Um, I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not taking Cruz where uh, where he's going. That said, I do think the price on Ellie De La Cruz will drop a little bit, but we'll see. We'll see. He has gone as low as 35. I'll say yeah, that. and I could see like in the third round going there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it for me, it's too early to take the ceiling floor combo of Cruz. It's just not not how we draft either of us. Yep, exactly. All right, who's and before we get to outfield, I'll just preface it and say. There are so many outfield options that just take yeah. these with grains of salt. Yeah. I'll say that much. And real quick, Kyle Bland joined in here and said, uh, Ellie's average is so risky. If it craters, that'll drop his stolen base totals too. Great point. Uh, and check out Bland's new tools with yep. the PLV hitting stuff. Crazy good stuff. Um, and then we have another comment from Ellen. Cray, do you think the negative sentiments about Ellie drives his price down? Yes, we do. All right, outfield, who you got? Uh, I'm going... Jaron Duran, who I think can be an elite stolen base contributor this season. Um, 93% success rate for Jaron Duran uh, in the majors last year. 24 bags in 360 plate appearances. Like The playing time is going to be there. I think even, I don't know if Curlin's still in the chat. Obviously, I can't see anything, but like... He's quiet, so no. I think <laughs> we'd know if he was in here. Um yeah. I do think not only is Duran going to play every day, I think he's going to hit near the top of the lineup. And so like had the toe injury in August that wiped out his last six weeks of the season. But like, I think you're getting a guy who could go 40 steals and not only that, but like chip in a pretty good batting average with it. Uh, Jaron Duran had a 26% line drive rate last year, which, which seems high. You look at the high BABIP. I mean, that's why, but if, if he keeps that line drive stroke, uh, Duran can hit like 260, 270 double digit homers and 40 steals. Like that is, um, I don't know. That's, that's really good where Duran is going in drafts right now. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Duran. I think that is a great one to target, uh, in these later rounds. I think he's getting boosted by the, uh, moves the Red Sox are or aren't making depends on how you want to look at that. So I'm with you on that. For me, it's Jack Sawinski and it's more so, a kind of a combination of what the pirates have available and an ADP of 235. Uh, the splits were not great. He struggled against lefties. There's no doubt about that. Also didn't play much against lefties, but he still managed to play in over 140 games this past year, which I think is, is a plus at that point in the draft hit 26 uh, homers, 13 steals hit 224. average will be a, a detriment to him. That's been proven pretty much throughout any stop in the bigs, but the power speed combo is very enticing to me. Like projections only haven't played 113 games. I still think he plays more than that. 
I think you're looking at a guy that can get you 25, 15, if not more. I think the floor is pretty solid there, which is pretty nice. So Jack Sawinski, just a guy based on price tag that has me intrigued based on ADP, as I mentioned, like he's going around with Merrifield. Tyler O'Neill is a kind of a fun comp actually between yeah, the two. Yeah, that is actually um, pretty interesting. It's good to see them going right next to each other. So it's more of a, if you need a power speed combo as the draft goes on, because we've talked about outfield, it kind of dries up quickly. It gets, it gets really fun there. So I, I like that for sure. I'm back. Yes, you are. I was, look at, I was, I was look at this brand new man over there. Just this. in time to talk J- Captain Jack. So, um, yeah, that's the guy I'm targeting that range. I have a lot of shares of him, but it's a combination of DCs. You got the flexibility of playing matchups. And as, like I said, you go deeper into the draft, not a lot of power speed coming on. So, yeah, I mean, this is probably the one I push back the most on, but at the price, like that's I, it's I, a lot I, of, it's a lot of price based in that. Like in it's, that one. It is weird to say like your target outfield is Jack Sawinski, but it was more of a price thing. That was mm-hmm. all. Like I said, like, that's why I prefaced before we got to the outfield. There's a lot of guys we could talk about here, and uh, it's hard to do just one. What do you take on Sawinski's like? And maybe this is just me remembering or misremembering, but like extremely streaky was the best hitter in like one of the best hitters in baseball in April. Yeah, hit 297, six homers, five steals. One of the best hitters in baseball in September hit 291, four homers, four steals, and was death in between. Um, like, is that a thing? Is that, I don't know. What do you think about that? July wasn't bad either. So that's why it's almost like a, a every few months thing with Jack. Right, it's very, July, July. I, can't, I can't deny. He hit 240, 246 with five bombs in, in those months. So the one thing that might not be streaky six homers, five homers, five homers, five homers, one, four. So he had at least four or more homers, and he, so it's kind of it's it goes back to that's the power thing, and that'll obviously catalyst his his other run production uh, factors, and then the stolen bases that was more of a early and late season thing as you mentioned, but the the power I think was pretty legit. So late round power source play matchups, kind of where I'm looking at is is in that one. He's kind of one who like it's weird we're spending a lot of time on Sawinski, but like. It's almost someone you want to have platooned. <laughs> like, oh yeah, because his lefty is stuck. It's bad. Awful. Yeah. Awful against lefties. Yep. Very very bad. And that's where I think um, McCutcheon could be a good platoon because we don't, like. Let's be honest. How often we don't think McCutcheon can play every day anymore, and McCutcheon still hits lefties well. So it's a it's an angle. It's an angle to use. If, if 42 percent strikeout rate. Oh, it's brutal. Lefties last year. Good yeah. hell. There's no denying this. Maybe I should stop caring so much about Jackson Winsky the more we talk about him. But um, he is he's oh, in the middle of that lineup a, versus lefties. Or got righties. a Jeff Jenkins cop comp in the that. chat that's, by that's Eric. That's a pretty that's, good comp. That's didn't didn't expect to hear that name today. He Jeff he Jenkins. he could be a good platoon with like an Edward Olivares or something. That could yeah. be fun in that regard. But who's your fade at the outfield? And Joel hit mine already again, so that's fun. But who's your fade? Um, I'm going to go Jordan Walker as my fade. Um, kind of similar to what I was talking about with Royce Lewis. I know this is a little different example, but like, just feel like you're paying a price on Walker that he hasn't done it yet. And of course he's only like 23 years old. Um, but you're spending a top 130 pick. On a guy who, yes, improved a little bit in the second half, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he broke out at some point. I just feel like you're you're betting on it happening this year, and it's really hard to time that kind of stuff uh, for Jordan Walker. So um, it's actually interesting, like outfield. <laughs> uh, we mentioned Evan Carter. This is kind of a rough spot for outfield. Walker's going around like Asteri Ruiz, who I don't like. Walker, Evan Carter, 
Jackson Churio. Um, like starting to get kind of thin at outfield, like 130, 140 range. Yep. Um, and that kind of leads into my, like you mentioned, uh, Joel hit it on the head. Fade is Evan Carter. Relax a bit for me. No need to apologize, Joel. I'm glad you're hitting these as well. Um, and for me, it's it's weird because Evan Carter protected at cleanup. We saw him have his impact. Uh, the ADP is 134. He had his impact in the postseason. But let's be real about what Evan Carter did. He, he hit 306. That's great. Five homers, three stolen bases, and 23 games. That's all really awesome. But honestly, it was kind of like a kind of dull to be honest. Like it's kind of like plotted along, did his thing. Uh, some might say he overachieved, still struck out 32% of the time. He had a 412 BABIP. Like, are these things that sustainable when you really want to break things down? And the other thing is, you mentioned bad versus lefties. Yeah. He had, and given only 10 at bats, small sample, he went 0 for 10. Uh, and those at bats, he had one walk. So he had one plate appearance walk against lefties, but 0 for, t- 0 for 10. Uh, there's a strong platoon situation here that's not getting discussed enough. At least we, people that trust roster resource don't look at it. There is a very, very real platoon situation in Texas with Evan Carter that um, is he still going to be good for fantasy? Probably. If he platoons, though, obviously drops him back quite a bit in the overall grand scheme of things with Evan Carter. And it's not even just small sample. I and mean, this was the the stat that Blessing Chris Blessing pointed out in our forecaster show. Evan Carter had one extra base hit against lefties in 2023. The whole year. The whole year. So, like, yes, minors. Um, You can't start someone like that in the majors against lefties. Like, that's just not going to happen. So, yeah, I do think – I tend to think there's usually not much of, like, a postseason ADP inflation – I feel like by the time draft season comes, we kind of forget about that stuff a little bit, come more to our senses once projections come out. I don't feel like that's the case with Evan Carter. I feel like his ADP is being propped up from, uh, again, an impressive offseason or uh, postseason, I should say. You saw him in person at game five. Damn yep. it. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm fully spot on there. All right. I love your starting pitcher choice, and it's got a value to it. So who do you have here? Um, I am going Christopher Sanchez. So going a little bit deeper in the starting pitching pool, but this is someone who I have ended up with on a ton, a ton of my teams so far this year. A, I, I firmly believe Christopher Sanchez is going to be in the rotation or Philly as for as long as he can throw. Uh, he did throw 150 innings last year, so I don't even think like volume is that much of um, much of an issue. The second half for Christopher Sanchez was pretty, pretty damn elite. 4% walk rate, 24% K rate, 58% ground ball rate. So I know I'm just kind of throwing out stats here, but enough strikeouts. He doesn't walk anybody. He keeps the ball on the ground. A little bit of a pitch mix change, throwing his change up more often in that second half. And the changeup is elite. So, like, I think for someone who has a really good skill set, who I don't think there's really volume concerns with at all, and for where uh, Sanchez is going in drafts, I think it's just a slam dunk, um, especially because, I mean, you've been in these drafts with me, like around 240, 250, where Sanchez is going, like starting pitching turns to hell. And Sanchez is just kind of sitting there. And I think he's, He's a, he's a great buy right now. 
I love the call. Yeah, I've been targeting him in a lot of my leagues. So uh, big fan of it, Christopher Sanchez, especially, um, you know, there's there's a lot of coach speak, obviously, but they've come out and said that, like, he's going to be a part of the rotation. Like, he's a, a definitely yep. locked in. Like, the, and you mentioned the innings. Like, there's a lot of things you love about a pick that late. So I'm a 100% on board with you on Christopher Sanchez. My guy obviously does not go as late as Christopher Sanchez, but I'm just going to mention him because it's almost like half of this is Target slash My Guys episode, and I am going all in on Jesus Lazardo. I know I'm not alone on this, but we've talked about him on recent shows. ADP of about 80, give or take, right now. Gone as low as 98. Um, I'm okay with him being an SP1 for me. I mentioned that on the last episode uh, we did about our top 20s. Um, he's a guy that I could see myself moving to the top 10 rankings talked about. The biggest thing is we saw the innings. We saw the innings there, and we saw the talent level stay strong. Um, I'm a believer in a guy that hopefully stays healthy. That's what you say about almost every pitcher. But if he stays healthy, we're talking about another 180 to 200 innings of the elite strikeout stuff. Wins can be an issue in Miami, but just what he brings to the table in, in ratios and uh, strikeout upside, absolutely love Jesus Lazardo, uh, especially at his, his price point compared to other starting pitchers that I think could have similar returns as Lazardo. So big fan, major target of mine. You had him 15th in your uh, top 20 starting pitcher. And yep, and I believe um, – I had him 14th. I won up to you on him. So. Yeah, you did, and I, I I told you I moved him down when I put Yamamoto at 14. I could see myself putting Lazardo over Blake Snell even. The Pablo Lopez discussion is interesting. But I, I could see Lazardo. I could finagle away into having him top 10 for me by the end of the season for sure. Yep, yep. So. All right, uh, who is your fade at the position? And this would have been my fade, by the way. I'm just going to throw it out there. Joel in the chat just says, I hate pitching. That's uh, that's fair. Fair and accurate. Fair and accurate. Unfortunately, we got to find nine of these guys to throw out there every week. Yeah. Uh, Tariq Skubal is my fade. Like, And we talked about this at the end of the starting pitcher episode, so go back and, and listen to that. I'm not going to rehash everything we said, but neither of us had Skubal in our top 20, and he's going in the fourth round. Uh, I thought, I thought, like yes, the the second half was fantastic, real and fantastic for Tariq Skubal. But like, I thought the price would be expensive and be like sixth or seventh round, fourth round. Come on, yep. it's too too much. Yep, I'm with you. It's uh, what innings are we going to get? We mentioned the matchups he had last year. He's a great pitcher. Yep. Not not going to deny that with you as well. Like he's the stuff's great. Is it worth that price tag? I I can't get there at all. Agreed. And then for me, it's Walker Bueller, and this is kind of a price tag thing as well. He's you know going around pick 100, so not as high as Therese Kubel, but you're still cu- a guy coming off a of Tommy John surgery, missed the whole season, um, supposed to be healthy. There's no denying that. But um, am I going to risk a top 100 pick on a guy coming back from TJ? I have some very serious questions. Um, I'll just pretty much pass on that one. We did at least see him throw um, – two innings at AAA last year. He got one rehab start, but it's like two innings last year. In 2022, he threw 65 innings before he got hurt. What are we going to get out of him this year? I, I just can't pay that ADP price for a big enough question mark like that. Yeah, the steamer projection on Walker Bueller. I was just curious while you were talking to steamer. So far as a, f- a few of these injury guys have, have over, I think, overcompensated innings in the projection, but Walker Bueller projected 131 innings with a 434 ERA. Like that's pretty rough pretty rough a real quick question in the chat here from eric any thoughts on edward cabrera at adp his current adp is 293 
if you want to. He's just always a whip problem. Yeah, uh, really good forecaster box. Again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I believe in the stuff we put out at the price. I I I, I get it. Just needs to like they walk, right, man. He, he, and he's right next to Lance Lynn. God, God, that's ugly. I need to take mm-hmm. a shower. <laughs> um, I don't know. Fifteen percent walk rate last year for Edward Cabrera, and so again, one of the one of the major metrics that I look at for uh walk rate is the underlying ball percentage and ball percentage says for Cabrera that walk rate should have been at like 11, 12%. So like slightly better, but still terrible. And with walk rate, it's just not only does it kill the, 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 the category we don't talk about enough whip, but it just gets that pitch count up. Can't go as deep into games, get those wins. Like it's, it's just rough. That said the price tag for Cabrera, given the talent, I could see taking a shot, but like, just, just beware. This could be some some pretty heavy ratio damage for, from Cabrera in twenty four. That's the thing. Is like I love Cabrera when he's not walking guys. He's one of the best pitchers out there, but doesn't happen nearly enough. Uh, Joel mentions ADP as Justin Steele at hundred ish. I'd rather have him. Totally agree. Oh with no, you there. not even not even um, a question for and me. And then Joel also says Lance Lynn F, F Lance Lynn. Lots of Cardinal fans on my deck at work, and they hate him. <laughs> That'll be fun. That'll be a fun one going on throughout the season. Uh, who is your reliever of choice? Uh, my reliever of choice. This was hard. Um, just because like projecting relievers is very, very tough. Who the hell knows? Um, so I just went like from a macro approach at the at the reliever pool, what we've seen so far, and that's Paul Seawald. I feel like he's one of the last like super reliable, dependable closers with the job at ADP. So if you're gonna wait on closer. I wouldn't wait much past uh, Paul Seawald for as volatile as relievers are. Seawald, the last three seasons, shit, the last four seasons, full four seasons, 71 innings, 65, 64, 61 innings. He's he's always there. 30% strikeout rate last year, misses a ton of bats. Like, yes, gives up some fly balls, but I think this guy's super safe uh, with the gig in Arizona. So, um, again, anything can happen with relievers, but if you're going to wait, Seawald's one of those last few guys. Like, going right after Seawald is like Andres Munoz, Pete Fairbanks. Just give me Seawald all day over those two guys. Yep, uh, I like the Seawald call quite a bit. Uh, nothing really to add to it besides I'm with you on that one. Uh, the guy I'm going to put up here is Lexus Diaz, ADP of 62. Um, I guess it's a combination. He's like the fifth or sixth reliever off the board, and he was one of the best closers in baseball last year, 37 saves, great ratios. Now the ratios are subject to the discussion, I'll be honest. like He probably overachieved in those ratios, and the projections show that, but they also still project 30-plus saves. Uh, this Reds team is going to be good still. Like, Are they going to be the best team in baseball? No, but they're going to be in a lot of ball games. I think, with that offense they have, which should leave Diaz to a lot of chances for saves. So I think he could have another big 30-plus save season in the books coming up, and it would be all ratio dependent. Does he limit the walks again? That'll be the question. But I think uh, if you're looking for a top-end closer, he's got some upside to it. So the one – like the, I mean, for me, the thing with Diaz and why I'm probably not on him is if I'm being true to my kind of – like mantra for pitchers is what have you done for me lately? How did he finish? Finish terribly. Lexus Diaz. Um, and so the the narrative out there is, well, he was overused. He just kind of wore down. Um, yes. <laughs> but do we just assume that he's just going to be fine to start next season again? I, I don't know. So um, I don't know that for me, that's the, that's the drawback of Alexis Diaz. I think there's, 
ton of other great options going around them. I, I think I'd actually take Seawald over D, Diaz straight up. Maybe I, we have our first. I think I wouldn't disagree with that. Probably it's not a bad move. I think I think there's something to that. So can't can't argue that's what I'll say. Who's your fade? Uh, Alex Lang. I just can't see Alex Lang going through, getting through another full season at uh, closer in Detroit. And also from a macro, like if you're waiting to take Alex Lang, you can a few rounds earlier take someone who I think is a lot safer in like your Craig Kimbrels, your Albert Alzales, Kenley Jansons, Clay Holmes, like guys who aren't like elite by any means, but at least have the role and I think have a much better shot at keeping the role than Alex Lang. Um, so Lang's my biggest fade just because the price you're paying, it's, it's kind of like that cliff thing that I was talking about with catchers. You fall off the closer cliff. Lang is one of the first guys that you're going to land on. I am also to kind of take this one step further, targeting Jason Foley pretty much everywhere. That was from your bullpen guru episode with Dom. I believe he was touting Foley quite a bit, um, in that one. So, uh, I think Foley in like the 33rd round, something like that is uh is a great not handcuffed to lang but a speculation that once lang gets out of the role i think foley could be really good in detroit for sure ryan do you hate detroit pitchers because that's what eric thinks <laughs> yeah <Okay>. uh <laughs> should have heard me talking about erod last year yep yep that's for that, sure that's uh, it's a good point right. uh my fate will be andres munoz and it's kind of a double-edged sword as adp is 90 not bad uh, i like a lot of the guys going right after him but say like i'd rather have ryan helsley potentially but Pete Fairbanks for sure, uh, Evan Phillips, so on and so forth. The other thing is, is Munoz is good. A lot of, a lot of walks. We got that going his way. A lot of walks. I'm just a believer in Matt Brash. I think Brash comes in there and eventually gets the role. We'll see. Uh, we do know how Seattle ten, has a tendency to have one main guy, but also still go with uh, the, I guess, even last year they wanted Munoz in like the seventh and eighth and the higher leverage strikeout spots. That's why, as Seawall deserved to be the closer, but there's a reason why Munoz was going in the seventh and eighth innings at times. I'm just talking myself into this basically, but I think Matt Brash is the guy for that closer role eventually. So I won't be taking any Andres Munoz. Yeah, I think, well, I think Brash could be the guy eventually just because Munoz, if he does pitch well, will get traded. I mean, the thing that could that, be an option as well that Seattle's doing this offseason is. It's just, yes, they just signed Mitch Garver, which I like, but like that team is not in from a payroll standpoint for 2024. And I think if they see basically what Seawall did last year, I could see that exact thing playing out again with Munoz, where they have a capable fill in when Brash uh, behind Munoz, they trade Munoz and boom, you got Mr. Brash. So yep. unfortunately, I think everyone thinks that for draft and hold. So Brash is pretty pricey, Brash, but yeah, he's not that cheap. Happening. Yeah. Not cheap at all, but. That was a fun exercise. It was fun to kind of go through there. Obviously, early DC ADPs uh, will easily change throughout draft season. There's no denying that, but that was fun. Good interaction in the crowd as well. Uh, so let's do a couple listener questions before we head on out on episode 94. Uh, it is interesting. The Yeah, the, the great chat, especially from Eric and Joel, we have the, like, the people, the, the non-night owls in the yep. chat this time like jump the, in the crazy people who are up up at 2 a.m watching us uh, on the east coast but uh different different crowd today but yeah thanks for hanging out guys um andy splinter asks lots of talk about outfield being top heavy do you have any mid to late round guys you're looking at he says give him all the hap newt bar duran and Chaz. well i like all those guys as well you mentioned yeah. duran i mentioned jack i might be wrong on that one 
anybody else that stood out to you or i know he highlighted i i chad i almost put Chaz on my list i i have a lot of Chaz mccormick so far i just took Chaz mccormick in our gladiator um as well so yes i do think outfield is top heavy and where i was saying with like jordan walker i think it kind of gets rough that i'm not like too high on lars newt bar but um i think once you get to like I want to say rounds like the 15th round, but I think once you get around to like Jack Sawinski territory, yeah. um, it really starts to fall. So I think Big you time. need to have three or four outfielders before you get to um, like your 200, 250, because it, uh, it, it definitely falls off. Yeah. Like uh, some, some other guys, I'm starting to buy a lot more in the Teoscar Hernandez, especially if he finds his way into Boston. Yeah. Like that's a fun one. He finished the second half of the season last year. So him, you mentioned Chaz. James Altman's a guy I'm still kind of interested in for the power-speed combo if we can figure it all out. I have a ton of Riley Green. I think that yep. talent's really good uh, at that ADP. Stephen Kwan's a guy I'm buying more in on. Um, Again, all these guys are going like top 200 or right at 200. It, yeah. it, yeah. Once you get to like Merrifield, O'Neill, Lux, I know like you like Ringifo, but like, ugh. Get get your outfield by top two hundred. Now, I mean, not all of them, but it, uh, yeah, save uh, save these for your last few. Basically, yeah. is the way. This is why we got Rupert on today. He says enjoying the Euro friendly stream. Awesome, that's good to hear. Oh, we've gone international. We're international around here, folks. Watch out, um, Luke Meat Luke Meals at Luke Meals on Twitter asks Michael Harris the second and Nolan Jones are two guys he's interested in. I think those are interesting comps, honestly. Um, you got the 2020 potential Harris, maybe better average, uh, maybe better counting stats for Jones. I don't know, but that's, that's actually a really good conversation. Um, the HQ projections say Harris like far and away actually. Um, and I, I can see that. I can see why I think, I think with Jones, like, yes, what he did in 2023, obviously you Curlin, the, the war dog, you guys were all over Nolan Jones last year. It was a fun ride. Um, the, the the price is the price is hefty based on a half season three quarters of a season of what we saw from nolan jones and yes harris is no like rock of stability himself uh but was really good in 2022 started off bad bad last year but then turned it around i think just the ability to make those adjustments and uh finish the way that harris did i think i think harris he's going earlier than jones by like a round and a half and i think he I think he definitely should be. I think he's a lot better than Jones. Yep, most definitely. Uh, we'll hit keep the listener questions coming in the chat. We'll get to those in a minute. I'm going to finish the Twitter questions first. Uh, True North 99 says, do you have any early 2024 futures, rookie of the year, Cy Young, MVP, et cetera, as of December 20, uh, 26th? Thank you. Um, I haven't looked at any of those, to be honest with you. I have not. I have not. Um I hate, I hate to give you that answer, but no, <laughs> I haven't. I mean, rookie of the year is interesting just from a fantasy aspect. I again, have no idea who it's going to be. I mean, shoot, Spencer Steer was one of the top rookies last year. Um, it is interesting, the decisions, and you mentioned Bubba, Jackson Holiday is one of your fades. That that Wyatt Langford versus Jackson Holiday versus Jackson Churio. Like, I'm not going to pretend to know. We, 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 we quickly admit. Uh, they were not prospect people, but making the right or wrong choice among those types of guys is going to, uh, you know, not make or break your league just because it's fantasy baseball. One player can't really do that, but change your team a lot if you if you pick right or wrong on the Jacksons and Wyatt Langford. 
I, I will say uh, Jesus Lizardo, Cy Young, could be a fun value, kind of like Blake Snell last year, if you want to ride go. that train. There you go. Um, Yamamoto, probably a good uh, NL Rookie of the Year go for you. Just going to say that one as well. I mean, shoo-in Pablo Lopez, AL Cy. There you go. So those, those are fun ones that you might actually get some value for, like really something to think about as you're, you're playing that game. All right, uh, Anthony Gialdi says, do you diversify your late-round DC picks or are you fine with the same guys over and over since the price yeah. is cheap? I should diversify, but I'm also fine with it, and I find myself taking a lot of the same guys, I'll be honest. Yeah, I do too, uh, especially late, even middle rounds. I won't diversify that much. I, I definitely diversify, and I've had to so far in draft season at the top. I've had the 10th pick four times already, and I've taken someone different each time. Just because if it doesn't hit, like that can really hurt. Whereas if you don't diversify late, like it's not the end of the world if it doesn't hit because they are so cheap as to uh, Mr. G all these questions. Yeah. And that's my thing as well. A lot of my same, I've been drafting a lot of the same spot a lot lately. And that definitely impacts where it, uh, I guess it's all said and done where, where you're going with things and what you need to get later on as we go. All right. Some more questions in the chat here before we head on out of here. Um, we have, well, Ellen says, uh, international already. If you count Canada as a foreign country, <laughs> I, I love the tidbit at the end there. That's really good. Ellen, that's my sarcasm we, in a nutshell. We claim you, you guys are cool. I'm not too far from Canada myself. So you're, like you're one of us. I like maple, maple syrup. We're good. Um, Eric, led, I like led James Paxton. So. Yeah, there you go. The big maple himself. Uh, where's Shoto Amanaga going to land? Is he worth a flyer? I've been taking him because his ADP is 225. He stretched out. When you get to that point in the draft, you know, he's going by Lucas Giolito, you Darvish, Reed Detmers. Everyone's got question marks there. So Shoto gets my Shoto gets my attention. But other than that, I can't help you. What do you think? Yeah, we we had uh, I say we uh, Brian Rudd had his bo- had Imanaga's box in the forecaster, and 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 Brian was on my my writing team and we basically it, it's always so hard to tell but a, a, a 251 era over the past three seasons in japan is, is really good and bumped up the strikeouts in 2023 uh, a little bit homer prone but i think you're getting like a pretty solid mid rotation starter exactly. and going next to like lucas giolito detmers like you were saying bubba um that stands out to me i think the price is just cheap because he hasn't signed yet and yep. i think he will and I think now is a good time to uh, to get in on Imanaga. I, I would be. I'm thinking um, East Coast, Northeast. It's where I think he lands. Could be totally. Yeah, as to where? Uh, yeah, Bronx. That, but that's yeah, always one. Bronx, of Austin's in the mix there. I think those are all in play. So keep that in mind. Uh, Michael C says Nemo keep getting sniped on him. Yeah, he's a tough one. I'm with you there. Uh, he also says target. Do we target Musgrove? I think he's been a horse most years, top 12-ish when healthy and a, as a third SP. That's been a tough one for me. What do you think? Musgrove's like my hardest one to rank. He was so, so good uh, down the stretch before he got hurt. And not only was it hurt, it was shoulder. And shoulders just scare the crap nice. out of me. And so, like, I'm, I'm probably out on Joe Musgrove, at least right now. I need to see Musgrove this spring um, not only throw, but, like, at – velocity and sustained velocity that we saw last year from him yep that's the conundrum is like i was taking the value with the broken toe last year but then he started talking about how he can't throw hard and like all these things like he's playing with a forearm it just felt weird and he was making it work but he could tell he wasn't as dominant velocity was down and everything then the shoulder injury finally happened it uh, was not great 
Uh, Rupert mentions, do we believe the Twins will play Buxton in the outfield? They say they want to. We'll believe it when we see it. I think they'll try until he gets hurt again. That's, that's sadly the case. Bold strategy, Cotton. Yep. Uh, the other question from Rupert, any other gladi- gladiator drafts streams coming up? Never say never. That's all I'll say. Nothing's planned, but never say never. <laughs> never say never. Nothing's planned, and we are taking like a week or so off after Thursday's episode, but we'll see. Gladiator's almost done. It's almost I'm done. Here. That's the problem. They only, let them, they only let them go here for another couple of weeks, and then they're all yep. done. Yep. So if they're, they were longer, I'd say probably, but can't guarantee. Maybe maybe I'll do one while Ryan's on vacation for Bench with Bubba. We'll see, but um, we might do one more. That's why I say never say never. <laughs> we'll see how this happens. Yeah, especially yeah, the way we think. Yeah. And then Eric says, thanks, guys. And uh-huh. fins up, yes, fins up. Big win this past weekend. Tough game coming up in Baltimore. So, so we don't I'm, I'm yeah. Nervous. We don't talk much NFL because honestly, neither of us are that into fantasy football, that sort of thing. But Bubba's a Dolphins fan, and I, I don't make this known too much, but I'm a pretty big Bills fan. Um, and we've got a could have a little AFC East tussle here in uh, in two weeks if you guys yeah leave for the crown in Baltimore South Beach style maybe we should fly out live draft from South Beach no I'm just kidding <laughs> I'm just kidding do one of those uh, what does Pollock do playback stream playback, do stream, stream uh, Bills Dolphins and just talk go fancy at baseball each other. talk fancy baseball while we stream a football game. <laughs> whatever that could be january that could be, be a lot of fun but we'll see where it goes again everybody thanks for joining us in the chat that was fun listener yep. questions online fun any final thoughts ryan before we wrap up today's episode we got resolutions coming to you guys later in the week and then a little break before uh we come back in the new year no this was a blast especially just to stream during the day i know with with day jobs and stuff it's hard for us to do and kids and that sort of thing but it was cool to be able to sneak this in holiday week and uh again get get a bunch of interaction from you guys so uh, much appreciated have a good uh new year's week take it easy and i guess go bills we'll say i don't know oh wow he's doing it but yeah we'll see where it goes again we'll be back with you guys later this week and then the new year's will be upon us so hope you guys enjoyed the show we have a lot of things uh, uh i recommend some some tidbits coming up later you guys might want to pay attention to but for now, you can check out Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ, podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod. I'm at BD Entrick. This was Bubba and the Bloom, episode 94. Catch you all next time. Uh-huh.